Good morning, everybody. Morning. It's great to see you. If we haven't met before, uh, my name's Stu. I'm one of the pastors here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, and you're so welcome, particularly if this is your first morning with us. Um, you're so welcome. I, I'm going to dive into uh, the teaching in just a moment, but before I do that, um, there's just one other announcement that I want to flag up. Um, you'll remember in January 2018, um, we as a community lost a very loved and gentle soul in our community, um, Robert Florida. Um, we're still processing that. His family very much are. And this Thursday, I want to let you know that this Thursday at 2 p.m. at Crumlin Leisure Centre, um, Robert's family, friends, and us as a community are welcome to join them as we dedicate a bench and also a tree as we mark and celebrate his life. So if you're free um, on Thursday, 2 o'clock at Crumlin Leisure Centre, some of our team will be there. I know many of you are going to be there. Um, just to create some space for us to celebrate Robert's life, we would love to be able to see you there. Last week, we kicked off our brand new teaching series called Metrics. Over the past six years as a community, we have taken stock of two metrics, attendance and also giving. And it's been really helpful for us to be able to track our growth and where we're going to be able to make wise decisions. And because of our metrics so far, we can tell you that our average Sunday attendance last year was 507. Now, 507 what? Obviously, humans, mostly the odd dog thrown in every once in a while. But we want to explore 507 what? And what kind of people are we? What kind of community are we? And also what kind of community do we want to become? And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be teaching into a number of metrics. But as well as that, we're also asking you every week to fill in a survey. And I've been building up to say this word anonymously. I really struggle with the word anonymously. It's a really tricky word to say. That and pomegranate are like the two words that I really struggle with whenever it comes to the English language. So we're asking you to fill in a survey anonymously every single week. And and these are the six metrics that we are going to be teaching into. They're going to appear up on the screen. Last week, Andy looked at submission to Jesus. Today, I'm going to be teaching into daily devotion. Um, next week, Andy is going to be teaching into evangelistic fervor. How equipped and ready are you to be able to share the good news of Jesus with your friends, with your family, with your workmates? We're also going to be teaching into generosity. How much are we giving of our finances? Also, vocational clarity, which really is what you do this time tomorrow, whether it's in work, whether it's at home with your family. How are you able to connect that with what Jesus is doing in the world as he unfolds his kingdom? And then finally, we're going to look into signs and wonders. How equipped are we as the church to live into the fruitfulness of the kingdom through healing, through prophecy, through signs and wonders? And thank you, all of you, for filling in the survey from last week on baptism. It's been so helpful for us as we've begun to process this. Um, over 50 of you said that you would be interested in getting baptized at Lagan Valley Vineyard, which is amazing. And we want to give you two opportunities over the course of the next month to be able to respond to that. So on the 7th of April, as part of our Jericho gathering on Sunday evening, and also um, on Easter Sunday evening on the 21st of April, we're going to be having some baptisms. So if you said yes to the question, I'm interested in getting baptized at Lagan Valley Vineyard, can I really encourage you to respond to that? Just jump onto our website, hit events. You'll see Jericho and also our Easter Sunday gathering, and you'll be able to sign up for baptisms there, and we would love to be able to baptize you, and that would be amazing. Um, this week, I want to explore our daily devotion to Jesus, our daily habits, 
or practices and patterns that allow us to center ourselves on the person of Jesus and also to become more like him. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been asking ourselves a question. What's the point of all of this? What is the point of Christianity? Why do we do this whole following Jesus thing? And we've been using um, a line that Andy has wrote that's going to appear on the screen. The point of Christianity is surrendering our entire lives to the rule and the reign of Jesus and learning to demonstrate that rule and reign in our lives and in our communities for the flourishing of everyone. Now, here's the thing. It is impossible for this to become reality outside of each of us having an intimate and intentional relationship with Jesus. We've been invited to see this as a life-giving, healthy, sustainable way of life. This is not a quick fix. This is not about a flurry of short-term momentum. But this is us contributing towards legacy, kingdom legacy in this region. And that is only going to happen as we devote ourselves to Jesus in the context of our daily lives. We are the kind of people that long to see the fabric of this region transformed by the presence and by the teachings of Jesus. Yet, that can only happen to the same degree to which the fabric of our own beings is also being transformed through the spirit and the character of Christ. In the way of the kingdom, transformation is made known through the lifestyles of people who they themselves are experiencing transformation in their everyday lives. This is why our devotional patterns, our spiritual practices, our disciplines, our daily habits, or whatever language you want to put to it, our ways of connecting with Jesus and becoming more like him are so, so critical. Now, with the rain pouring, um, I'm going to teach into all of this in just a moment. But before I do that, can I invite you to get out your phones um, and jump onto your email app, whatever that may be. And I'm going to invite you in the next two or three minutes to fill in this week's survey. So we're going to stick some music on. So uh, just jump into your emails. Um, you may find that they may go straight to spam or junk. So uh, just avoid everything else that's in there and just um, jump straight to the email. And just click into it and fill in the survey. Now, quickly, two things before we do that. We encouraged you last week. Be really, it's really loud, right? Be honest, okay? So be really honest, but also be really gentle with yourselves, okay? Um, so fill in the survey. If you are a guest with us, um, can I also encourage you to fill in a connection card? Um, you can fill this in with all your details and then send it to the guys at the back at the end, and we will be able to send you a follow-up email on Tuesday with the survey. Is that all right? All make sense? So take two minutes. Dive in, let's put, put some music on, do the survey, and if you want to just like check out the team news for the Ireland match or whatever, feel free to do that too. So, all right? Awesome, brilliant.
All right, we all filled the survey in. Yeah? Anybody need more time? We all good? Feel free, if you still need a little bit more time, just continue to do that. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to judge you for being on your phone during church or anything like that. So, all right. I'm going to battle with the rain. If I need to scream a little louder, I'll, I'll do that. I am captivated by Jesus. He's the one who spoke the cosmos into being, and yet he whispers his love for me. He knows exactly what it means to be human, yet he never invites us to stay exactly the same. I love that he spent 30 years in obscurity before turning the world upside down with his friends. I love that he is way too liberal for conservative conservatives and way too conservative for liberals as he flips tables and welcomes the outsiders. I'm obsessed with Jesus' shape of life, that he embodied the miraculous and yet was never in a hurry, that he brought down empires and yet washed dirty and tired feet. I'm captivated by his final breath, his great love, his remarkable victory, the conqueror of death and of darkness. I still can't believe that he calls me his beloved, that there is nothing that can hold him back from his relentless pursuit of me, and that his own spirit has found a home in my life. I'm drawn to the throne that he occupies, that he's not done yet as he makes all things new. I am captivated by Jesus. I am obsessed by him. And the glory of it all is that Jesus doesn't remain as this myth, this hero figure who is distant and removed. Instead, whenever it comes to Jesus, he constantly speaks two words over my life and over your life. Follow me. Whenever it comes to Jesus, none of us who have been in his presence, who have encountered him, can't help but be captivated by him. And yet, Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He also gives us a blueprint, an example of how we should live our lives by adopting his lifestyle, doing exactly the same things that he did. And he, through his spirit, forms us and shapes us so that we become more and more like him. We are invited into a relationship, intimate relationship with the one that we are captivated by. There is no relationship that is quite like it. And the invitation that we have received to encounter Jesus, to be captivated by him, to follow his example, and also to become like him is on offer for all of us. The question is, how on earth do we respond to this remarkable invitation? This invitation that grabs us right at the heart of our desire. We respond in the most everyday of ways by practicing daily devotion to Jesus. The teaching text that Laura read out earlier from Colossians chapter 2 says this. It's going to appear up on the screen. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I don't know about you, for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, do you sometimes look back on the early days of you following Jesus connecting with him for the first time, maybe experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time, kind of look back on those days as like the good old days, days full of purity and passionate devotion, praying all the time, you're reading your Bible furiously, you're trying to find out all that you could about Jesus, you were telling everybody about him, saying yes to everything that he offered you, the good old days. 
days full of passionate devotion, and then life hit. Responsibilities came along. The honeymoon period came to an end. We grew up, and we got busy. Whoa. Big moment. Paul is saying here to the, this young church plant in the city of Colossae, whenever it comes to Jesus, there should be no such thing as the good old days. Look to what he says. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just like you lived with pure, passionate devotion to him in the early days, continue to live your lives in him. Just as it was back then, so should it be now. Now listen, of course we need to move beyond immaturity. We need to move beyond naivety. Like whenever I first followed Jesus um, properly at about 18 years old, I kind of, my whole worldview on following Jesus was taking the Sermon on the Mount and filtering it through the music of Rage Against the Machine. And now look at me. I wear Oxford shirts that are buttoned up fully. Like I am not that kind of guy anymore although sometimes I can be. But the Christian life, we are to move into maturity beyond naivety, but the Christian life shouldn't be this passionate devotion at the start that kind of just flatlines as we carry on through life. There should be no such thing as the good old days. So whether you're new to faith or whether you've been following Jesus for decades, the defining feature of our lives should be constant and consistent daily devotion to him with a devotion that is full of passion and pursuit. And Paul points out the shape of that devotion. We are to live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Now Paul is clearly riffing off, as he does several times in his letters, one of Jesus' key teachings, which is found in John chapter 15. And I'd love you to turn with me to John chapter 15. Um, Whether it's the Bible that's sitting on your seat or on your phone or whatever, that would be really helpful. It's page 748 in the Black Bibles that are on your seat. John 15. Let me read it for us. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, and showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is one of the most important metaphors in the teachings of Jesus. I would urge you to spend some time in this text by yourself. It's really simple, though. It's kind of why I love it so much. Christ is the vine, and we are to be branches that are to be rooted in him, to be built up into him, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. For us to experience fruitfulness, to see the things of the kingdom flow through our lives, we are to be those who remain in him. 
those who stay deeply connected to the vine. Now, what I love about John 15 is that Jesus is shooting straight here. He's saying this, you're not going to bear any fruit at all unless you remain in me. Unless you find your source of life and sustenance and energy and growth, you're simply not going to bear any fruit unless it is found in Jesus. Another really helpful way to translate the word remain in the Greek is also abide. Abiding means to keep company with somebody, not just to kind of be a flaky friend, but to spend intimate time with them. We are to abide in the vine of Jesus. This speaks of a closeness of relationship. And we're to cultivate this intimate relationship with him so that we will be able to live into fruitfulness. Some of you may be asking, why am I not seeing the things of the kingdom happen around me? Why am I not being able to see that, was talked, that which was talked about in Acts, powerful things that are happening? Why is it just not happening around me? Why is the fruit of the kingdom not being made known around my daily life? Can I humbly ask you to consider the shape of your devotional life to Jesus. Because unless we are remaining in him, unless we're staying close to him, we're not going to bear much fruit. That's not me saying this. That is Christ himself. The question is, how can we do this? How can we practice remaining in the vine? How can we root ourselves in Jesus and also be built up in him? And verse 10 gives us the answer. Jesus says this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. We remain, we abide by adopting the lifestyle of Jesus and by putting it into practice in our daily lives. We remain through our daily devotion to Jesus. Jesus remained connected to the Father by obediently keeping his commands and by putting them into practice. And Jesus invites us to do exactly the same thing. You've heard where we look at bang this drum so many flipping times, but I'm going to go for it once more. Whenever we look at the lifestyle of Jesus, we do not see a legacy that is to be admired, but we see a lifestyle that is to be imitated. A lifestyle that is to be imitated in the context of our daily lives. With the school runs, the office politics, the big shop, the screaming two-year-old, the commute, the washing up, the long hours, the clock in and the clock out. Jesus has shown us the way to live a life that is deeply rooted in the Father, where we are able to find our sustenance and growth in him. And Jesus put this into practice through prayer, through silence and solitude, through performing signs and wonders, healing the sick, being soaked in the scriptures, worshiping in community like this, being unhurried, practicing Sabbath, seeking justice, serving the poor, and I could go on and on and on. Just read through the gospels and see what Jesus did. And for us to remain in the vine, we are to do exactly the same things as Jesus did, adopting his overall lifestyle and putting his way into practice. As we look at the shape of Jesus' life, his habits, his rhythms, his disciplines, we are to reorder our daily practices around his. And as we do that, not only will we remain in him, but we will also be able to naturally, organically demonstrate the fruit of his reign and rule for the flourishing of everyone. The devotional practices of Jesus are the way in which we keep company with him, but also get to become more like him. And here's the thing, Jesus was shooting straight, so let me shoot straight too. If we're not cultivating a life around the devotional practices of Jesus, 
we will simply not experience transformation. And with that, we have absolutely no right to expect our region to be transformed also. This is the ballgame. The devotional practices of Jesus are so critical. They are the ways in which we are both built up and are fruitful. Now, let's be honest, though, for a moment. We struggle with this, right? We find this stuff real hard. Reading the scriptures, praying, devoting ourselves to him daily, we find it quite difficult to make this a reality in the context of our daily lives. I'm really aware of that, and mostly because I struggle with it all of the time. And here's what I want to do. I think that there are three hesitations, three things that hinder us from actually putting this stuff into practice. The first thing is that we find devotional practices pointless sometimes. Secondly, we think that they're restrictive, that they hinder our sense of freedom. And also the third thing, and this is the big one which we'll land with, that actually we're way too busy to be able to engage in this stuff. I think that's pretty accurate, right? I think I'm speaking from personal experience of this is why I struggle with this, and maybe you can resonate with maybe why you struggle with devotional practices too. I'm so aware that daily devotion to Jesus is the most contested space of our apprenticeship to him today, and yet it is the most crucial aspect of it. So here's what I want to do this morning. I don't want to just get to the end of this morning and say you should go away and pray more and read your Bible. I want to get to the thing behind the thing, and I want to address these three hesitations that we've got, that devotional practices are pointless, they're restrictive, and also that we're way too busy for them. And I want to take each of these things in turn and hopefully gently change your perspective to see that actually this is the way of life that Jesus has called us into. Is that all right? We have for that this morning? Wonderful. Okay, so the first thing, sometimes we feel as if devotional practices are pointless. Some of us really struggle with putting this stuff into practice because we don't really get an awful lot out of these things every time that we do them. Sometimes it can feel like a tick box exercise to kind of manage our religious guilt before we move on with our day. If that is your perspective this morning, can I suggest that you may be looking at things the wrong way around? Reading your Bible, praying, practicing devotional patterns, they are not the point. Devotional practices are always a means to an end, and the end is always encounter with Jesus. If you get this in the wrong order, if you place more weight on the practice rather than who the practice leads you towards, you're going to find yourself entering into a familiar pattern. There'll be this flurry of activity at the start, and then that practice will become a little bit stale. It may take days, weeks, months, or maybe even years if you're lucky, but it begins to get a little bit stale. Then you feel kind of guilty about that. Then you become kind of apathetic. You begin to slow down, but then you get guilty about it again, so you kick back into it, and then basically it just turns into apathy again, and then you stop, right? That's kind of the circle around doing this the wrong way around. The point of daily practices is not you just reading, praying, ticking the box, and then moving on with your day. We are to be those who are to be captivated by Jesus, obsessed by him. And devotional practices like prayer and scripture, they create pathways for us to be able to encounter him, to learn from him, to be inspired by him, and to be changed by him. Prayer, scripture, Daily devotional practices are a means to an end, and the end is always encounter with Jesus. At the end of our time together, we're going to pray, 
that actually we will see an increase of our desire to be captivated by the person of Jesus. Because that's the point. Practices are the way that we are able to engage with him, to come into his presence. They usher us into his presence time and time again. Second thing, sometimes we feel as if devotional practices can be quite restrictive, that they hinder our freedom. Now, we're freedom people. That is who we are in this kind of community. We love the freedom of Jesus and the freedom of life in the Spirit. Yet for some of us, whenever it comes to daily devotion, it can feel a little bit too structured for us. It didn't want us to think about is what do we mean whenever we talk about freedom? So often we think about freedom as the absence of structure, the freedom to do whatever the heck we want with no limitations, absolutely no boundaries. Some of us are dreaming about that. Imagine we had no responsibilities, no structure, no framework. How amazing that would be. But speak to anybody who's had a really wild moment in their life whenever they thought that they were free to do whatever the heck that they wanted. With no boundary, no freedom, with no, sorry, no restriction, they actually became less free. They became paralyzed by choice. With no framework, no structure, things began to fall apart. I want to offer a different definition for freedom. I want to suggest that freedom is taking our deepest desire and choosing to order a way of life around it so that we can live out life in its fullness. Let me explain what I mean by that. And this is going to be really interesting. This is a keyboard, and I'm going to play a song for you, right? So I'm going to go over here. Um, Um, okay, you ready for this? Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm, I'm here all week. Please tip your waiters. Um, as you can see, I am a remarkable keyboardist. Um, James, do you want to have a go? Do you want to go on up? Just play, play any, anything you want. It's not going to be anywhere near as good as that. Is it? Okay, cool. <clears throat> okay, okay. We, we, James, 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 James. We get the point. Right, take a seat. Um, give it up for James, everybody. <clears throat> some pub. Uh, now, I love to be able to play the piano. It's actually a little bit of a dream of mine. Like, I love to be able to be at a dinner party with Frank Sinatra and, you know, set down my brandy, saddle up to Steinway and just be able to, like, play something, you know. I love to be able to do that. But I, I can't. Now, I have access to pianos and I've got access to keyboards or whatever but here's the thing I'm not free to be able to play it I just can't do it I have access to it I can make a awful hideous noise like I did a second ago I hope none of you actually think that that was me playing something really cool you know like I was awful I, like, I can't I can't play anything right but James can play James like, we didn't practice that that's not rehearsed or anything I just invited him up and he just played something He's free to be able to practice, 
that. He's free just to be able to play whatever he wants. And why? Because he has devoted himself to be able to learn how to play music. He's practiced time and time again. Behind closed doors, on stages, with groups, by himself, he has practiced, he has practiced, and he has practiced. And because of that, he is free just to be able to be invited onto a stage and play whatever he wants. He is truly free. I'm not free whenever it comes to playing the piano, but that guy definitely is And James' freedom to be able to play the piano well is a direct result of his choosing to practice and commit himself to learn over and over again. Does that make sense? True freedom is found in taking our desires and choosing to order a way of life around them so that we can choose to fulfill our desires in their fullness. I desire to play the piano, I really do, but I haven't done anything about it. And so with that, I'm not free to play it. I'm not free to play it at all. Habits, rhythms, devotional practices, they do not hinder our freedom. Actually, they release us more fully into freedom. We've got access to life with Jesus by grace, but through devoting ourselves to him, by practicing his way, we get to live more fully and more freely into our deepest desire, which is to be with Jesus and to become more like him. And that comes by committing ourselves to him over and over again. Dallas Willard has this really wonderful line where he says, that grace is always opposed to earning, but it is never opposed to effort. Our freedom comes from recognizing our desire and choosing freely life and life to the... John 10.10, Jesus said to us, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. For us to be able to live into the fullness of life that Jesus has offered us, it doesn't mean that we can just kind of like passively sit back and just receive it from him. We are invited into partnership with Jesus, working with him and walking alongside him, and we do that by intentionally practicing his way. The life that we've been invited into is one of disciplined, intentional practice where we're able to enter into the fullness of what it means to follow after Jesus. So let me say it like this. Reading your Bible, praying, committing yourself to the devotional practices like Sabbath or silence and solitude or whatever, they don't make you less free. They are not religious. Your choice to commit, to not have your life determined by somebody else, but for you to take ownership and to live in that way, to freely choose that way of life, that actually releases you more into freedom. Side note, over time, these practices will become habitual. They'll become automatic. They'll become engraved into your being. And let me be honest, there are days whenever I wake up and the last thing that I want to do is open up the scriptures or pray. My love's kind of lesson. Life kind of hits, and sometimes I really struggle with it. And yet, because my practices have become so habitual, so engraved in who I am, there will be moments whenever sometimes I doubt, sometimes whenever I don't feel up for it. But even though life may be hit, or my feelings actually feel as if they're hindering me, I am able to kick into an extra gear of recognizing that my truest desire is to follow after Jesus, And so I'm able to kick into this extra level, this extra gear of following after him, choosing, even though I may not feel like it, that actually I want to be able to spend time in his presence. I want to talk with him. I want to learn from him. That is true freedom. Whenever you're able to choose a certain way of life, even though you may not feel like it, 
even though life may hit you, but you commit yourself to following after your deepest desire. That is freedom. Final thing. Sometimes we feel as if we're too busy for this way of life. Are you though? Could it be that the devotional life of Jesus is actually the way of life that you have been longing for? Ronald Rollheiser says this, our age constitutes a virtual conspiracy against the interior life. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, like we totally landed on the moon, but I totally agree with Rollheiser here. He says that there are three things that mark our age. We're restless, we're more busy than bad, and we're more distracted than we are non-spiritual. Restlessness, busyness, and distraction. Let me be real honest with you. Many of us have been duped into thinking that this needs to be the shape of our life. And that is only going to get more contested in the arena of our daily habits. We find ourselves constantly reacting, being pulled in a million different directions, being nudged away from ourselves with every single image that we scroll through on our phone. Our habits What we consume are being determined by algorithms and by some nerdy fellow from Silicon Valley. We think that productivity is God, and so we are overworking and we can never switch off. We've been duped into thinking that that needs to be our way of life. Whether it is because of Instagram, whether it is because of our need to keep up with our own sense of image, whether it is because of the Protestant work ethic that we just think is if we just need to keep on working all of the time. Let me say this, the shape of the John 15 way of life cuts through the prevailing narrative of our age. The question that we need to ask ourselves is what vine are we rooting ourselves in daily? What vine are we choosing to remain in? Who or what are we keeping company with? Because here's the deal, the habits that make up a considerable amount of our daily lives, they're making us more numb, more anxious, and way more tired. Like none of these things are necessarily bad. But we've got to recognize what we're rooting ourselves in in the daily context of our lives. What our habits are leading us towards. Where we're trying to find our source of nutrients. So much of what, our, so much of what determines our habits or even our way of life that is becoming increasingly more automatic as Prime or Netflix just moves on to the next show without us even choosing it, is that we're finding ourselves not feasting upon good, healthy nutrients, but actually just going after cheap sugars. We're going after a cheap high, and we're just rooting ourselves in that. And it's becoming more numb. It's making us more, just life becoming so much more automatic, and also we're becoming less free. I think more than ever, we need to hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely 
and lightly. If we root ourselves daily in Jesus the vine, we will be able to feast on all of the sustenance, all of the rest, all of the satisfaction, all of the abundance that we both healthy, fruitful, and unhurried way of life. A life that connected right to the heart of the Father and lived into the fullness of the kingdom of God. We can recover our lives by doing what Jesus did, by keeping company with him, walking with him, working with him, by following his way of life. We talked about this in our basic series, but let me just very quickly look at prayer and the practice of reading the scriptures. Firstly, prayer. Jesus was always praying. He was always retreating from life and choosing to remain in the Father through prayer. And so we need to be involved in that dynamic all the time. We need to be able to retreat from daily life and choose to remain in the vine, to communicate with the Father intimately, like two friends who are getting together. We need to set aside moments to pray and also pray on the go being able to sit at the Father's presence, learning once again that we are partners in this life together. Jesus was also fully engaged with the scriptures. He knew this book back to front. He taught on it. He meditated on it. And we are to devote ourselves to the scriptures, the voice that we are going to hear over the course. And the intention of God speak louder than any other voice that we are going to hear over the course of our day, to glean from the wisdom of this book and to see the possibilities that this text opens up for us. Because every time we open it, we see the character of God and the invitation to be shaped into his likeness. If we choose to practice the lifestyle of Jesus through prayer, through reading the scriptures, and through all the other ways that you know about, our lives will be recovered. You are not too busy for the devotional practices of Jesus. They're actually the way in which you get to recover your life. Can I encourage you, practically, if you're wanting to learn how to do this, start small and start slow. If it comes to prayer, Set aside a moment at the start of your day just to be still, set your phone aside, and take five minutes just to pray. Pray through what you're going to face that day. Pray for people who you're wanting to share life with. And as you begin to build that into a habit, then begin to weave prayer through the course of your day as you're walking into the office, as you're spending time with your kids. Just begin to weave prayer in. Or with the scriptures, Start with one chapter a day. Don't feel as if you need to read the whole book tomorrow, but just start with one chapter. Start with the Gospels, the best place to start. Open up a notebook, write some notes. God, what are you saying here? What are you inviting me into? Also, in the email that you received for the survey, there are a list of apps and certain resources that may help you as you try to build this into the course of your life. Experiment with them, play around with them, and also ask me, Yvette or Andy, any questions that you want as you try to engage in this stuff. But here's the thing, you're not too busy for this. You simply aren't. Because as you practice daily devotion to Jesus, the shape of your life will not be defined by restlessness, by busyness, or by distraction. You will be transformed and naturally, organically, you will be able to contribute towards the transformation of this region. Do you guys want to come on? As we come to close this morning, it's really important for you to remember that the practices are not the point. They're a means to an end. The point is always encounter with Jesus. 
daily devotion to Jesus, doing the things that allow you to remain in the vine. They are guides to be able to lead you towards encounter. It always starts there. Brennan Manning says this, the quote's going to appear on the screen. The wild, unrestricted love of God is not simply an inspiring idea, but whenever it imposes itself on mind and on heart, it determines why and what time you get up in the morning, how you pass your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read and who you hang out with. It affects your heart, what amazes you and what makes your heart happy. Whenever we encounter the Father and his love, truly encounter him, it can't help but shift our priorities change our daily habits, reorder our loves. Whenever we encounter the Father, we can't help but choose to live a life that is rooted in the vine, longing to be with him. So Lagan Valley Vineyard, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him every single day, rooted and built up in him. Let's stand together, shall we? Some of you are longing for the good old days. And this morning, you need to encounter the wild, unrestrictive love of God once again. The practices come second, but right in this moment, you need to experience the love of the Father. What would it mean for you to be captivated by Jesus once again? He's the one who spoke the cosmos into being and yet whispers his love for you. He knows exactly what it means to be human, and yet he invites us to never stay the same. He spent 30 years in obscurity before turning the world upside down with his friends. He was way too liberal for conservatives and way too conservative for liberals as he flipped tables and as he welcomed outsiders. Each of you can take on the shape of his life. You can embody the miraculous and yet never, ever be in a hurry. Jesus, he's the one who brought down empires yet washes our tired and dirty feet. What would it mean for you to be captivated by Jesus once again? His final breath, his great love, his victory, for he is the conqueror of death and darkness. And this morning, he calls you his beloved. There is nothing that can hold him back from his pursuit of you. His own spirit has found a temple in your body. Let's be drawn once again to the throne that he occupies because he's not done yet. He is making all things new. What would it mean this day for you to be captivated by Jesus once again? Can I invite you to close your eyes for a moment before we sing? This morning, if you long to be captivated by Jesus, you long for your appetite to increase for him, can I invite you just very simply just to stick your hands out in front of you in the posture of receiving? And I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to worship. Jesus, our hearts are restless until we find a home in you. And we long in this morning to be able to experience you in your fullness, in your wildness, in your beauty, 
in your glory, in your humanity. We long to be captivated by you. So Lord Jesus, would you hear our hearts? Would you recognize our desire? And as we move towards you, would you do what you've always promised? Would you move towards us? Embrace us. Holy Spirit, would you fill us with a sense of hunger, with a sense of thirst for the things of the kingdom, but more than anything for the presence of the King. Come and fill us, Lord Jesus, once again.